Hello and uh, welcome to another episode of Spruecast. Um, we've got a real treat tonight for uh, especially the people among us that enjoy painting, um, figures, uh, World of Warcraft. Um, I'm just thinking of uh, what's the big shop? Games um, Workshop and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, Games Workshop, yeah. It, you know, so we've got a real treat for you people. As always, I have with me uh, Gordon and Joshua, uh, who uh, help with uh, everything on the podcast. Um, and so tonight, our special guest, uh, drum roll please. I haven't got any special effects. Um, maybe I could drop some in, but I don't know. I've got nothing. I've got no. I have actually bought this week. I bought uh, a mixing desk, um, but I didn't realise that it's actually a professional mixing desk. I, they all look the same to me. I got it for 23 quid, and the software that you use with it, you have to have a licence to use the blinking desk, so it's of no use to me. Um, there we go. So anyway, anyway, I've digressed already. We're, we're only barely minutes in, and I've already digressed. Our special guests tonight are Team Wapple, as James has called them. I don't know whether Kathy's aware that they're Team Wapple. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. So, yeah. Team so Wapple. Yep. Oh, great. Yeah. Team Wapple. It's been um, a thing since the beginning. Excellent. Excellent. I, when he said it, I thought, um, do I do I put that? Or is he <laughs> just joking with me or something? I don't know, you know. I mean, but, we uh, do just call ourselves that jokingly but yeah, yeah that's definitely I like it. I, I think it's a good yeah i like it so obviously for, for the people that know it's james and kathy um they both have their own channels um and they both are highly talented painters um you really need to go and see their channels uh we'll what we'll do is we'll before we go We'll um, let them provide the channels, and I will make sure that uh, something goes up in the description um, for the podcast. Uh, and so, off we go, really. So, w welcome to you both. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and uh, so we, I've been, um, I've been looking at your work for some time. Um, I first came across James uh because i'm a, i was a, i'm a big fan of gilbert's um I, I like gilbert's work and i think it was gilbert that recommended me to uh he, he said you need to he, he listed off some names and james was one of them um and uh i went and had a look from there and just was amazed at um the standard of work particularly because it's so small um you're you're doing uh you're painting so i i cannot describe it it's very difficult to describe so you know work at that level because you you've got the tones uh the colors work with each other and all that um and i'm not i'm not like a, a person that can you know, some people can look at pictures, can't they? And they can say, oh, the, the interplay of colours in this picture was especially wonderful. And you can see the smoky the smoky browns working with the greens in that effervescent fixture. 
<laughs> I don't know, but you just said it. Yeah, yeah, I can probably make it up. You can fake it. Yeah, I could probably fake it for for a short time. Um, but uh, yeah, if anyone's you know any anyone's sort of listening, oh, that sounds really bad on a podcast, doesn't it? If anyone's listening. Um, yeah, listeners should go and have a look at their work, definitely. Um, and as I said, the the pictures will, uh, the addresses will go up in the uh, descriptions. So, when did you both get into this? <laughs> you want me to tell that story? Yeah, go ahead. Well, so we're talking back in summer of two thousand one, not long after we met. Kathy happened to see these blood bowl figures today. They were lizard men. And she said, well, they're not painted. Do you mind if I paint those? And I said, well, yeah, sure, go ahead, whatever. Not doing anything with them. And she was having so much fun with those darn things. At the kitchen table, I said, well, do you mind if I painted some too? And she uttered the infamous words, be careful, because my brother always told me that miniatures were addictive. And I said, ah, whatever. And we had no brushes. We had no idea what mold lines were. We, I didn't even know what flash was. Never heard of static grass. None of these things. We, we were using just our regular 2D art paint, of course, because miniature paint. What the heck needs that? We got paint. And I don't think we even realized it existed. Well, I might have realized it existed because my brother used to paint Warhammer stuff back in the early 90s. But... Uh, I had paint from, you know, 2D art, like Jim says, and I figured I'll just use that. I know I know, I need to prime this stuff, so we get some black primer, right? Doing good. But all these paints are super thin. They're Well, I should say they're super thick, but they're really translucent. Right. And they're very glossy. So they just look terrible like i'll go back and look at those because my blood bowl team is painted with those paints and i never repainted them so do you keep them to look at do you, do you keep them so that you can look back every now and then and go man that was the beginning <laughs> yeah actually I definitely just, oh yeah so i just did that a video uh, it was part of a collaboration thing and it's called 20 years of painting and i actually took a miniature that i i think it's still sitting around here somewhere that i actually sculpted and painted almost 20 years ago and then i did another video of something that was kind of similar just to see well how long would it take what would it look like and it was really wild to see the difference that 20 years makes because it's not just us it's the whole industry it's basically when we first started painting there was this thing called the wheel and now there's rocket powered cars and, and nuclear powered cars by comparison yeah but when you look at what the industry was like, we say, oh, my gosh, there was like there was two companies. They there was no 3D printers. As we hear the sound of that in the background, that was that was never going to exist. All of these different products that I use every single day, even as recently as four years ago, they did not exist. There was no such thing. Yeah. The pace of change is even more accelerated. So almost every other day we see, wait a minute when did they come up with that so it kind of makes our lives a whole bunch easier than yeah i mean 
it's interesting that you put it like that because it is it is very much like that the you know the, 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 100 years ago you know no electric and that and now we've got the nuclear plants and that and and, and the comparison that um our hobby has undergone a similar thing over a much short period is um yeah it's spot on um because i remember when i was young i built an a10 um airplane and there was humbrol that was it um Humbrol came out and I um, I bought obviously three three colours to do my plane with and you had that tube of cement. I, there weren't tet or anything around. Um, and when I finished when I finished it it um, it looked awful. Uh, I obviously thought it looked great. Um, there was uh, <laughs> cement, you know, where you join the two parts together and you'd put like a tube of cement along each part. Uh, and it just all flowed out and there were fingerprints in the enamel where I, you know, picked it up because I was too impatient to wait for it to dry. And, um, yeah, it looked dreadful. And then you fast forward um, to when I restarted again and I went out and just bought Humbrol stuff because I didn't realise there was um, all this other stuff out. And as you rightly say, as each year goes past, there is all these different products coming out. Um, we are spoiled for choice now. But I, I, I remember vividly, and I tell this story to quite a few people actually, James, that on the subject of brushes, somebody once asked you about what brushes you use. And you brought out a packet of um, brushes that must have cost no more. In American money, they probably cost about a dollar. And they were brightly colored children's brushes. He's using black, those right now. With the black bristles on the end. You know, the real... I mean, these are really cheap. And I was just stunned. Oh, no, no, not those plastic ones like you get with kids' watercolor things. Yeah. But they're still, they're big, and they're cheap, and they are synthetic. And he's using one right now. So, do you use the same thing? Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'll use them for priming, and I'll use them if I want to do a quick wash on something. But... For the most part, I use uh, Winsor & Newton Cotman series, which is still a synthetic brush. Yeah. Because I, I painted with synthetic brushes for so long. When I did try and use a sable brush, uh, the several times I've tried to use a sable brush, I fail horribly because it just doesn't work with how I've, how my, you know, the way I paint has mutated to you know, to compensate for the synthetic bristles. And I would have to learn a whole different way. I, I've really tried several times to use sable brushes. Wow. And I always have to, and I end up fixing all my mistakes. That's <laughs> fascinating because I was talking to Gordon about this last night. Um, and basically I was saying how my brushes were... Um, I just wasn't able to do the really tiny stuff with the brush because it had got a slight 
um, it got a kink halfway along. A little, little hook in the yeah. And I was unable to do anything. I couldn't do the detail work. And the thing is, the brushes aren't really lasting that long. Now, I believe mine are sable. Um, and, and you, so let me get this right. Are you saying that you find it easier to paint small stuff with synthetic than you do sable? Yeah, but that's just... That's just me. I mean, that's just me. Years of using yeah. cheap, uh, synthetic brushes and compensating. As you're learning how to compensate for the little hook that ends up yeah. being on the tip of every single synthetic brush, and uh, and I just like got this workaround somehow, and I I I can get that hook to to go where I want it to, I guess. So you but, don't throw them out when they get that hook. You don't sort of say, right. Well, no, um, no, I'll I'll use the same one for a month. But what months. point? It what depends. Point? Sorry. Some of them are different. They're, they're, some of them develop a hook not as fast as other ones, even though it's the same brand. I don't know what that's all about. Uh, but the Cotman ones tend to not develop that hook quite as fast and it's not as big of a hook like as my american painter or, or low cornell ones those right. are the ones i used to use which were even cheaper yeah so do you find do either of you find a difference um some people may think this is a silly question but do either of you find a difference between a very expensive brush and a very cheap brush or sometimes very expensive brushes are garbage and i don't know how many times i've been handed brushes that are supposed to be expensive versions of, of the ones that i'm using now those the 35 cent brushes and two seconds in they're dog-eared they're frayed while my other ones <clears throat> they have a perfect point or I've used them with super glue, stuck them in rubbing alcohol, cleaned them out, used them in glue, rubbing alcohol again, and they're like brand new. Meanwhile, the so-called expensive quality brush has barely touched paint, and it's it's garbage already. And I say, so really, what did I what would you get me for five bucks there, or ten bucks, or thirteen bucks that I could have got for thirty-five cents? Just as a public service announcement, never use rubbing alcohol to clean sable brushes ever ever but they work fantastic for synthetic bristles that's all i use is basically synthetic brushes because they can take that kind of hammering and you also have to figure that i paint hundreds of miniatures every month it's just what i have to do i paint vehicles terrain you name it and those those little sable brushes i'll use them maybe for for detail thing for freehand whatever but they're used for maybe 3% of the miniature. The vast majority is like what you're seeing here, just a big old brush and just hammering away. So you don't use, do you use detail brushes, James, the really thin ones like uh, 20 zero or whatever? I've got some four zeros and some triple zeros, but those are used, like I said, just for freehand, for eyes, whatever. Since I have, to, I have to paint really fast, you've seen in the videos how fast the big old brushes let me paint because you're covering a broad surface right away. Yeah. 
you're not dinking around with a thousand brush strokes. Uh, maybe we talk about this all the time amongst ourselves, Kathy and I, that our 2D background makes a big difference because in art school, you used to do an exercise where you had 400 brush strokes to paint an entire painting. And it was a portrait of somebody. And it was a 16 by 20. And that's not millimeter, that's inches. So you got 400 brush strokes to, to do the entire painting. And the other person is counting from across you. Wow. And you use a four inch brush. <laughs> I'd use my one inch brush. And I would be, I'd be counting the other person's brush strokes. And I'd say, you know, you might want to think about what you're doing here yeah. because you're five minutes in and you've used 115 brush strokes. Meanwhile, me, they'd say, oh, I'm going to count you. And two brush strokes in, the entire surface is covered. There's no more white anymore. I already got my lights and darks, and I'd just kind of look at them and say, that counts as one. And then I'd always be done. I'd have maybe 20 or 30 brush strokes left over, and I'd try to auction them off to the other people in the room to make some extra money. I'd use a roller. <laughs> because I think just the last live session that I did, people would say, so what's up with this? Why are you doing this? They'd say, well, if you're going to build a house or any kind of a structure, are you going to start with window treatments and the roof and some curtains? Or are you going to get the concrete, dig a hole, put the concrete in there, some rebar? Well, that's what the whole first half hour of every miniature is for me. It's, it's the concrete, the rebar, it's the foundation. Yeah. Yep. Do you do you ever get fed up with the? Because I, I I'm guessing you get asked the same questions all the time. Um, Every five minutes. Do you ever like? Do you ever just get fed up with people asking the same questions? Uh, I don't mind them asking the the same question if the same person tries to ask the same question ten different ways then or when I, I send them links to a video and they'll ask basically the question that's answered in the video round about 75 times that's when i'll yeah. just say look well, maybe you want to watch the video again because that's yeah. in the yeah, video they're not learning from it well it's just it the video shit was that picture is worth a thousand words well a video is worth twenty thousand words yeah because they should be able to just look at this thing where they see me. I, that's the whole reason we started making the videos. Yeah. I, I can, I can only think that they're just sort of fast forwarding and pausing to look at parts of it instead of watching the whole thing and listening to what he has to say. Because yeah. he'll answer every question. Yeah, yeah, I see. So, do you ever get fed up with people asking the same question? <laughs> <laughs> You've only asked that two or three times. You, you do it a couple times <laughs> more. We've, we've still got half hour. <laughs> well, the good thing is that this is an audio only, so I can make visual signs here. That yeah, they yeah. They won't get you. I, I, now, I can't utter any YouTube unfriendly metaphors, but from a visual standpoint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have, like, uh, competition between the two of you. Does that ever come into it? Because you, you're both... Or, or is there ever any time where one of you gets something and and the other one's like, "Wow, you've done a really good job there," and uh, I wish I could have done that. Or so you know. Wow, you've done a really good job there, and I would like to be able to to do that. Is something that, yeah, I think we've both done that. And but then you know, we'll talk about it and we'll talk about the process and. 
You know, if he's got something going on that I want to try and do, I'm going to try and do it. That happens more with Circus Maximus, where she runs me over, and that's where we say that there is no we in Team Wapple, just a Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do, you, do, you, do you ask each other for advice? Oh, yeah. yeah that's oh, definitely. How, that's how our basing techniques developed so at warp yeah. speed, because she would say, okay, that's neat, I'm doing this, and I'd say, okay, I'm doing that. It was like a poker game. Or, or thrown in more chips. Yeah, or I'd be excited about something I just figured out, some new thing I just figured out, and I would and I would tell Jim. And we used to paint right across the table from each other, so it'd be like it would be easy. I could hold it up and be like, "Oh my God, look what I just did! Look what I just discovered!" And here's how I did this. And he's like, "Oh, that's really cool. I'm going to incorporate that into what I'm doing, and then yeah. it'll morph." And then later on, as it as it mutated and evolved, it'll become this other thing, and I'll see it and be like, "Oh wow, I'm stealing that back." So there's a lot of stealing things back and forth. Yeah, yeah. Because we went from not even knowing what static grass was, or that you could paint rocks and gravel, to we were the ones innovating on bases, and people were wanting to make that wapple style base which it took because kathy we were doing all kinds of stuff with sculpey and kathy said why are we sculpting rocks what are we stepping on? every time we walk to the store we're tripping over all these stupid rocks. all this time trying to take a sculpting tool and put all of the little texture of the rock why don't we just pick up a rock and press it into this into the sculpey yeah instant I've, rock texture yeah I've, i i have done that with little and uh, the other thing i've done um I'm just going to bring this in. Was uh, uh, I don't know if if you heard, but I was making um, Molar One, which is um, scratch building. That's actually my tooth there. <laughs> oh, jeez! And I got it from the dentist, and I'm trying to create some sort of science fiction vessel. Um, and, and that, that's the whole tooth there, and we called it Molar One. So uh, uh, that's a bit sort of, uh, well, Gordon, <laughs> I think it was Gordon that called it Molar One. Um, yeah. That's, you know, using real stuff, I guess, that's uh, around Organic and about. Organic material. <laughs> yeah, I think you've oh, got to. Sorry, Gordon. This is it. It's, it, it's the same as when I was doing Lilliput Lanes and uh, Enchantica and stuff, right? They'd say, right, we want this sculpting. And you've got crystals sticking out of it. Like, I'm not going to go back then. I'm going to go buy some. <laughs> oh, oh, it needs a big rock. Right, let's go get some crushed slate or some gravel or something like that. And you just press it into the clay. Same as Cathy says, and it gives you the perfect impression. Yeah. Who would have thought, right? <laughs> and, I, and I think I think it adds a nice bit of weight to some models as well um you, you go down b and q b and q is like our i don't know what your equivalent is um in america it's like a big diy store that does everything you know wood timber and then you go outside oh, got, depot here yeah they've got their gardening section and you've got like crushed slate in plum um blue then you've got gravel you've got all of them and you can go in and you know you can just 
grab a handful or whatever and use that. I'm not condoning shoplifting, incidentally. I'm just saying. I have, uh, I have a container of rocks that I've picked up on walks around our neighborhood. Yeah. And some of them are uh, little slate pieces from people's gardens. Yeah. And now people can't see this, but this base that you're looking at here, that's just tree branches, tree bark. It's literally stuff that was sitting on the ground. And we know what trees are where. And I'll say, yeah. well, it's really windy the last couple of days. Let's go over here where that walnut tree is because it really yields these nice trees. Because I use them for my terrain, for my games. I use them for basing. I use them for everything. And how do they, do you seal them? How do, how do they last once they're on the model? Do, do you seal them in varnish or? No, I just paint them up and they're just fine because I know we've, I've been using this stuff for five, six years and it's been just fine. Yeah, here's another, this is another, I call it just bark and branch. And a friend of ours from Arkansas sends us tons of tree bark and you just, you layer up it. Nothing looks better than nature than nature. Yeah. Because yeah, that's a tree, use a tree. It's expensive to buy artificial tree stuff. Um, um, remember the driftwood that we got, Kathy, years ago? It was it was five dollars for something that we could have just picked up off the ground. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Nature walks are are a good thing if you can go into some place where there's woods. Yeah, so um, there you go, people. If you want to go, you know, get yourself some bits and bobs to help with your scratch building on your figures or or your dioramas or anything, go on a nature walk. You you got you getting yourself some uh, exercise, um, and at the same time, you are increasing your um, inventory of uh, modelling supplies. As long as you don't start bringing stuff back that's too big or, you know got a log in the log in the kitchen <laughs> countertop or whatever fence posts <laughs> you know you've got to keep it realistic i think i actually do have a couple logs in the closet oh right i, I, I was just joking <laughs> <laughs> you know you never know when no. a project comes along and you might need that uh, so somebody I, i'm a big fan of fig i love figure painting and I, was, I would say I class myself, um, I'm a novice, um, and I'd say my skills are probably moderate at best. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm about to paint, um, I'm just holding up to show them a little tiny Yoda figure. Um, and I've been sort of thinking on how best to do the, the robe on it. Um, what what would you recommend for that? I don't know if Kathy wants to go ahead and talk about that. I would get a couple of reference pictures of Yoda right. first, and you know, figure out what color, you know, what colors I want to use. I have reference pictures for my snakeskin pattern that you like for those splintered fangs. Yeah. Oh, I used uh, rattlesnake pictures as yeah. for those to get the colors. The pattern doesn't look very rattlesnakey just because of the way the the texture that was sculpted onto the model was. But I was able to match the colors just by having a picture in front of me, and that's that's really helpful. So, so do I, you do you do you put like 
your base color down first? Is it the lightest color or the darkest color you put down first? Or do you do neither? It it changes. It and I couldn't even tell you why. It's situational. Oh right. So there's no and set on, on what model it is that I'm painting, but if Yoda has a tan uh cloak then I might put down something that's sort of a brownish color yeah. as a base. Uh, you could go dark first, and then you could dry brush kind of a middle tone, sort of a, a brown on yeah. there. And then you could take your tan and dry brush that over the tops to catch the you know, just the highest points. Something that I do when I'm starting all my models, but more with a sort of a grayscale. Most of my models, I'll start darker, but not black. Like the Splintered Fang, I primed them all dark brown. And right. then I took a, a gray that's kind of halfway between, you know, black and white and dry brushed that on there and then I took a lighter gray not white but a lighter gray and dry brush that so I had just kind of three stages of values and then the dry brush you know sort of the edges of that kind of kind of optical illusion fill in you know more of the values in between and then, and then I'll just I, uh, translucent paint so it kind of the surface more yeah and that's a pretty pretty basic way of doing it and um, I mean I'll have other steps on what I'm doing you know just because I want to I want to get more smooth blending I want to make sure that there's more uh, contrast between light and dark I want to make sure that there's more saturation of color in the midtones, and I'll get all, you know, I'll, I'll get all technical and everything. Yeah. But, but that's what I'm doing with these splintered fang that are in front of me. But you know, for for a pretty basic uh, thing like your Yoda, you can start with your darker color, your your dark brown, and then find a a brown that's sort of Mid. in. Your dark is dark and your light is light. You know, yeah, sort of yeah. halfway point if you can eyeball that and and dry brush that on, and uh, and then get your lightest light, dry brush that on, and then see where you are, and then you can always go back and make adjustments if you need yeah. to. Got that base, that sort of base, you know, color and value established. So Kathy. With that being said, all that, right, would you do the same thing if you did a Zenithal primer thing on it? I don't know, because I don't use an airbrush. I mean, actually, what I do is I call I call that my half-assed Zenithal. Because I, about, right? I, I prime with a brush. I use the Steinal Res airbrush primers, but I use a regular brush, and I just apply them by hand. Wow. And then I do the and then I do that dry brushing just like I just described before I add my final colors to it. And that's kind of my that's what I call my half assed 
zenithal highlight. Wow, I'm even more impressed. Do you, do you thin the primer down? What Jim's holding up on the screen is an example of my half as zenithal that I did with dry brushing. So here's one that, because this is one that I'm doing for my army painting series. This is in oils, but it's the same exact color as a badger primer. It just one, I took a few seconds to shoot the airbrush primer on there, and she did the exact same primers here, but with a brush. And, and you actually have, we used to, geez, how many years did we apply stuff with a brush? Five, six years we used badger primer before we ever had an airbrush to shoot it with. And I still haven't used that airbrush. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what's, what's your opinion of um, airbrushing? I have no problem with it. I would love to learn how to do it. It's on my to-do list. I can't believe that. That is stunning that you, you uh, well, I'm lost for words. I, I, I really am. I thought, I thought for sure there must be some airbrushing in there somewhere because of the, the, the standard of, of the work is, Wow, I mean, whenever I try and uh, brush on a primer, it um, it takes on the texture of the North Sea um, or, or rough moorland, you know, <laughs> and bumps and, bumps and, and stripes, and and it lo looks like a, a field that's just been ploughed, um, and uh, I I just can't get it to to look even half assed <laughs> you just can't get it. We uh, color primer painting. Yeah, That's incredible. Well, these Steinol Res primers, they go on really smooth with the brush. Uh, and they have a bunch of different colors. So what I did to get my dark brown was I used their black and their terracotta, and I mixed them together. Yeah. And I got this dark brown. And did it look a little streaky when I applied it? Yeah, yeah, but I knew it was going to be smooth. It wasn't going to have those brush strokes like, you know, like I used to get, you know, when I was using some other primers. Like I would, we used to use like Craft Store or Craft Paint Primer. Yeah. I get, that was years and years ago. And uh, and we've used Vallejo Surface Primer too. Um, I haven't used it in so long. I don't really remember what the... You know how it covered um but yeah what? these primers they're they're thin enough to go through an airbrush yeah. but i like to just show people how they can use them with a regular brush and as you could see with my splintered fang there's not you don't get those brush strokes yeah. you know with that so i don't know if that's just me or if that's the pri it's probably the primer probably has nothing to do with what i'm doing so what, what's your opinion on i'm gonna I'm gonna pin you down here what's your opinion on vallejo everyone's got one um their primer specifically their primer not their paints um we used to use those all the time then badger came along and now we don't use vallejo anymore yeah i don't know if it's because the badger is any better Oh yeah, but it's definitely yeah. easier to get. Yeah, it's I've got easier for us to get. I I feel that Badger is uh, severely outclassed in Vallejo. Um, in, in I'm specifically on about the primers here. Um, I don't get on with 
Vallejo primers. I don't think they're robust enough. Um, and they, they, they fail very quickly in terms of adhesion and stuff like that. Um, I just don't really rate them that much. I can't understand why the company, everybody knows. Everybody in the modeling world, if you say Vallejo, they, you know, and you're on about their primers, nine times out of ten, you'll get, oh, no, don't use them. So the company has to know that that's the opinion. Why have they done nothing to address this? Um, I think because they're mostly focused probably on the next new thing, because it, I don't know if it was it started with the contrast paints and the GW stuff, but everything now is miracle paints because uh, MIG Ammo, they're just releasing their new Miracle product, which is, I'm guessing it's like ghost tints. It's Badger ghost tints with, with different names and different colors. Yeah. Yeah. You, you spray this on and it does everything. And was AK Interactive basically said, this is a paint that does all of these things and half of those are contradictory. It's like if the paint does this, it cannot, the laws of physics dictate that it can't do this other thing. But it can't yeah. be translucent and opaque at the same time. And it goes through an airbrush, and it's oil paint, and it's acrylic, and it also cures the common cold, and it also will cook your yeah. breakfast. I mean, I you know. a cup of tea while, while you're busy waiting for it to dry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. I get what you're saying. You, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I have got quite a few of the... Now, I like the Citadel paints. Um, I've got quite a few of their contrast paints. Now, I like them, but I never, I didn't have any of their shade stuff before. So, um, and I, I believe from what I'm being told, the, the contrast paint is pretty much the shade paint. Um, that's why they withdrew one um, and replaced it with that. But um, it is different because I've used to use those both and I actually use the contrast. I was using it here just now, yeah. but I don't use them the way GW says to. No, I don't. Uh, first of all, they, they last way longer the way I use them. No wonder GW tells them to slap them on the way they do because at eight bucks a jar, they, they certainly don't want you conserving those. Slap no, it on like yeah. Minwax. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's all, yeah. Just get get a car sponge and and wash it. Um, yeah, I, I I like them. However, another product that came out, which I didn't, I bought them all at the time because I got sucked in, were these um, oil brushes. Oh yeah, I use those all the time. Now I've had these. I bought the whole set when it first came out, and I barely used them three or four times because I just can't people just can't. think of those only for weathering they basically my job actually had to what was it that what was the thing we did at downtown was that the Sh world expo or something in Chicago that was when uh world miniature expo was in yeah Chicago. world miniature they they said Ian from from MIG says look Jim I'm, I'm sick I can't go to do my demo you do a demo because you are not part of big ammo you can use the oil brushes the way we all would like to and that is and i'll just uh, i've got a couple of them here they were actually telling them to use the brush that's on the end of one of these things 
as the brush. And he's, whereas for me, and, and I'm sure you've seen some of the oil brusher things that I do, where I just take the, the you know, the oil brusher paint and stick it out on a palette, and that's it. You know, it, it's, I can't understand why in the world they have people brushing with the brushes. It just makes no sense whatsoever. All you do is you take the brush, you put your paint out on the palette, and then you grab a regular brush, and you work with it like it's... Yeah, oil. you got to yeah. think of the brush as an applicator for... The oil, the oil you know. brushes are very stiff, aren't they? They're like almost like toothpicks. Um, yeah, and they're not... I know people will brush those on, but just take that paint, stick it on your palette. I love the oil brushes because they're in unbreakable cases, right? Yeah, I do like that, yeah. And it does dry faster than regular oils. It's already the consistency of miniature paint. And it does dry flatter, having just tried the Optolung paints, where they dry super glossy. Yeah. I just thought, since they have the same name as the oil brushers, obviously one company, they kind of will start out together. So, okay, they'll be like the oil brushes. And boy, did I find out otherwise. Yeah. That was, that was a hard lesson in otherwise. So, moving on, um, do you ever think you'll take up, uh, like, building uh, planes, tanks, things like that? Are you going to primarily be figures? I have a Sherman that is mostly assembled. It's a 135th scale. And I just wanted to do some research on the stowage so that I could make my own stowage for it. Yeah. And uh, so that is a project that I am working on. John's just holding up. <laughs> and, um, if ever you need, if ever you want like advice on that, John's a person to speak to for that. Um, he, he can give you some good points. I, I did there. enjoy the the assembly so far. I have I have the bottom part and the top part done. Uh, I just need to attach them and then you know make stowage. I have a few little plastic parts that I got from a, a scale model guy who just sells the little detail parts, you know, like ammo crates and stuff. But. What size are those, Jim? So this right here, this is part of my bolt action stuff. So you're looking oh, okay. basically 156 scale. So there's Rommel and his PZ-38T. And then this is Cruel Seas. So this is another game by Warlord. That's your U.S. landing craft there. Here's their Verpostenboot, right? A German flak ship for yeah. cool seas. I've got an uh, Italian fleet, a Russian fleet, a Japanese fleet, British oh, fleet. Right. fleet. But they're all they're all sort of in miniature scale. And oh, definitely, one, yeah. One three hundred scale for the ships, and then well, here's my captured Flampanzer, and this has already toasted a whole bunch of Bolsheviks. Because my friend and I, we were doing some some Barbarossa battle reports, and Flampanzer came up and just uh, did did its work. Took the French tank, put a flamethrower on it, and the Russians were not happy. It got really warm in Belarus. Excellent. I, I mean, on the other side of things, over here, I don't know whether it's been out in America. We've had this this new magazine that come out. It's a series called Mortal Rounds and um, each week you get um, you get figures to assemble like in this edition um, it came with a, a tub of Citadel paint 
and a brush that is missing um, uh, and every week there's something new and by the end of it you build up a whole army um, now they say for a bonus for an extra three quid a week you can build up four armies now I started to get them and I'm looking at them and I'm thinking I'm going to get really I'm going to get really bored with that really quick because it's the same thing over and over. Oh, um, uh, like units of guys where there's yeah. 10 guys and they're all yeah. pretty much the same. So th these are armies. Um, they're different ones. I, I I don't play the game, so I don't know nothing about them, but there's uh, Stormcast and Ghostly Hordes. And so... But generally, there's a large, uh, you know, there's probably, I don't know the exact figures, but maybe 10 to 20 of each figure, and you've got to paint them all the same. And I just think that's, oh, that was They're, just, they're not all met. exactly the same. Their, their armor is the same. Yeah. So, of course, you are painting the same color on, you know, 10, 15, 20 guys. But you ever sit the, there and just like, oh, another figure. Uh, this is the person who has 17 bolt action armies, five of which are French, and is probably going to be eventually making the same amount of Lord of the Rings armies. And this is just my stuff. This doesn't count the hundreds of, well, tens of thousands of army figures that I've painted for commissions. So to me, that's just another day that ends in Y. Wow. So you never, ever just look at everything on your desk and think, I need a day off. Oh, well, when you do it for a living, you don't, you can't yeah. do that. Because people think, people look at it from the outside and think you're painting. And one of the worst words, I, I hate that when people use this, is they say, you're just painting toys. And... Um, that annoys me a little bit, but that, that, that's just me. Um, the thing I like to do with my armies, now I was playing Ogre Kingdoms for Warhammer Fantasy, and I played 40k, but yeah. I like to, each squad had kind of a personality. Yeah. Each guy in that squad, I would try and individualize uh, their armor in some way, whether it was by me adding a little bit of something sculpted with green stuff or yeah. adding some freehand design because in 40k your space marines have those big shoulder pads and yeah. you know there's room to do little freehand designs so my command squad for my dark angels every guy's shoulder pad one of them was the same for the squad for the uh, the unit and the other one was different it was unique for each guy and then I would do, like, on their chain swords, I did little freehand crazy designs. And I just, that was the fun part that, you know, making each one a little bit individual and having a personality of its own that made painting a squad of 10 guys fun. Yeah. Yeah, so, so you individualize each each character and they've, I mean, they've got, got their own, own uh, their own backstory and everything. I, I wouldn't go that far, like, for each guy, but 
you know, just a little something. Yeah. Something to make it more. I'm, I'm, I'm guess I'm taking from that you actually play the games as well. Well, since the Games Workshop Battle Bunker that was in the Chicagoland area closed, we have oh, right. found a good game store near us to play. So I haven't been playing my games very often. Now, yeah. Jim and I decided to jump into Warcry because that's a game that has a very small footprint. Yeah. And few guys. And the average game seems to take a little less than an hour. And that's right. what, you oh, don't yeah. even know what you're doing. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I've looked into it. I've been to my local games workshop store and I've looked into the, the you know, the playing of the games. And um, I've got a few nice. Uh, so I've, I've, I've got I've started buying the magazine, so I've got a few few pieces there to paint, and uh, my partner Angela bought me the Archaeon um, last Valentine's Day, not the one just gone, the one before. The I guess it it'd be about hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, yeah, I know what model that is. Yeah, she bought she bought me that, and it's still in its box. Um, I did take it out one day. I thought I'll paint it. I looked at the sprues and put it straight back. It's uh, a challenge. Yeah, this is my. This is where I'm at at the moment. This is my level. Um, little policewoman that I'm building. Uh, so that, that's where I'm at. That's where um, the checkered hat's going. Sorry. That's where the checkered hat is going. Yeah, yeah, that's where the check. Yeah, definitely to check it out. It's going, and the other thing I I don't know whether I should mention this or not. Um, I've decided to paint this police officer black um, because I find that whenever anybody, whenever I ask anybody or see anybody painting a figure, they normally paint them white. Um, and I thought it would just be nice and a bit of a challenge to myself to try and paint the officer black instead of white. Um, and, and that's that's what I plan to do. Um, but um, as with everything in the, I, I don't know what it's like in America, but over here it's the, the it's dreadful. Um, the things you can't say and can't do because of political correctness and all that is dreadful so i've been a bit worried about you know what people would um say and but i'm, I'm gonna do it anyway i'm gonna do it um i've been, I've been painting less historicals here just because the, the people just go insane they go berserk and yeah. And I've seen it even in the, the bolt action Facebook groups. There'll be just this huge kerfuffle that happens. And this is in a group of ostensibly historical painters. And it still happens there. And it, well, and, and then too, I remember I painted some Senegalese. They were French Senegalese troops. And all of a sudden there was a huge kerfuffle because they said, oh, they, they painted them to look like this, of course, because they're not the, they're not the Caucasian figures. And I went, wow, that's just really... That's reading way too much into a 28 millimeter toy because that's what it is. It's designed to be out on the table. It's for a game. Yeah. yeah. Deal with it. 
So yeah, so you know, you probably understand then what the 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 well the internal confusion that I'm going through into. I want to do this, and I you know, but I'm worried about the backlash from it. I uh, had nothing but compliments when I choose to be diverse with my skin tones. Yeah. I think people appreciate that, you know, oh, it's not just another Caucasian skin tone because we always just see Caucasian skin tone. Yeah, exactly. I, don't, I don't get those people who are like, why are you, why do you have to be diverse? Uh, are you just trying to jump on the politically correct bandwagon? And like, yeah, that's yeah. an idiotic way of looking at it. Oh. People, they were getting on the sculpt itself, and they were saying that the sculpt itself was racist because they were trying to, because you get something that's 28 millimeters, and when you're trying to give it an identity, what well, happens with the bolt action with the Japanese stuff, they'll say, well, you know, they're kind of doing a cartoon Japanese because this is an inch and an eighth tall, and they're trying to make it look different than someone who's maybe more of a Northern European or someone maybe who is smaller maybe they're more uh from the steps of uh Mongolia or something like that so they're obviously going to be shorter because yeah. that's just how because of their the conditions they live in it's better to be shorter and not have to have to pump the blood to extremities but they say oh you just made them short to make fun of them and that wasn't yeah. it wasn't that they were trying to actually somehow I mean look at this this is a rod that's a, a horse but the horse itself you can see it's a 40 millimeter bait. The horse is barely 40 millimeters tall. And I mean, the horse's eye is bigger than this entire miniature. But when you shrink it down, you know, things can happen. Yeah. And sometimes people even get crazy about scale. So Lord of the Rings, because of the movie deals, they had to make it in true scale. So this is really more like 148 scale. Heroic scale, as you can see, I mean, this guy's hands are quite literally twice the size, almost, of the hands on that Lord of the Rings figure. Their feet are bigger. Their heads are bigger. It's easier for people to paint those. It's easier, probably, for GW to cast those and get them on the sprues. They don't break as easy, although, don't even get me started on all those tiny little skinny plastic parts that break off. Yeah, that, yeah, we've yeah. had to, we talk about that technology and how it's changed the industry. Well, Kathy and I, I mean, we can have our eyes closed in a darkened room and be a hundred miles away from the miniature and go, that was done in ZBrush. That was digitally sculpted because we go back 20 years to a time where nothing was digitally sculpted. And there is a difference in the two because there's like Dark Sword, all of their stuff for the most part, I believe it's all done by hand. And it's different when you're sculpting physically in green stuff with a tool or especially organic shapes come out differently. And like we always say, we call it the buckle brush where it's like, look, that has 10,000 belt buckles on it. Because in ZBrush, you can make a, a brush that is a belt buckle and put a yeah. thousand belt buckles on something in two seconds. That was the that was the Steamforge thing. That was all the Guild Ball models. I'm like, why is there a buckle here? It serves no purpose. I will, it's like they just took and pasted a buckle, 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 buckle. So um, I know Gordon is our. Oh, sorry, just dropped some there. Gordon's uh, primarily 
builds uh, planes and tanks and stuff like that and bikes. But he's just bought, um, you've just bought your first figure, haven't you, Gordon? He's just showing us a rather marvellous MIG there. Yeah. Is it the MIG? Is that the MIG you're holding up? It's the SU-30. Yeah, I always get it. Tried to make that split cap a fly, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is very nice. But he's bought uh, Mandalorian. Am I correct? Yep. So I'm uh, for it to call. I I'm not. I paint figures to go with my tanks and pilots. Yeah, I could do that. Well, as for sitting down and painting miniatures and stuff and figurines, yeah, I did it for a living at one stage and nah. But it's out of my comfort zone, shall we say. And I've got the old big, uh, it used to be by Aurora, the old glow in the dark monsters. Dracula, the mummy, Frankenstein, oh, and stuff. Yeah. And I've got a couple of them, so I, I tinker with it when I'm not in a hangout or anything like that. <laughs> I'm not like that. <laughs> I'll sit, sit and have a play, do a little bit of blending, do a bit of dry brushing and stuff. And uh, I'm into Star Wars and Star Trek big time. And. Uh, I saw on a couple of websites the uh, Mandalorian figures and stuff coming out. I thought, oh, yeah. So I did a bit of delving and uh, I've ordered a 3D resin printed Mandalorian and uh, baby Yoda in his pram. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the one that Gil um, painted recently. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw that yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to have me. Uh, the first foray into actually doing a full-size figurine. Oh, wow, and yeah. I haven't done I'm one quite, that big. I'm quite looking forward to it, actually. <laughs> I had a friend hand me a bust, and I think... Is it one-sixth, Jim, those busts? Or is it even smaller, the, the Blackheart bust? I think they're, they're either one or one-eighth, maybe. Anyways, but but so they're there may be the head is well hold on. I have one yeah. here. Is that the black heart the video game? So uh where am I at? There you are. So there's right. the the werewolf. Oh, hold on a minute. I've got a feeling I can make uh one screen bear with bear with me, I'll get in there. Um I'm just tinkering. <laughs> Technology, it's all gonna go wrong. Yeah, I oh, know. I don't <laughs> want to click that. That says remove from stream. I don't want that. Uh, Anyways, so you can see that it's the head itself, the bust itself is twice as tall as the miniatures that I've been working on. If I can get this in the right place, up. Oh. Yeah. You know. And, uh, it was so much fun to paint it. It was. It seemed so big, and when I told this guy who makes the bus, Blackheart Models, uh, he he always made one one scale busts. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, one one. And so we, 
he just tried these small ones and I was like, oh my God, it's so big. And he's like, what are you talking about? It's so small. It's tiny compared yeah. to one, one, but I had so much fun with it. It was like this giant canvas for me. So do either of you have something? Um, all right. So a couple of questions here. First of all, do either of you have a specific model that you, you dream of painting? And secondly, um, Oh, it's gone. Uh, we'll go with the first one. <laughs> Give me a chance to remember what the second one is. I'll let Kathy go first if she has something. I do? Well, I don't know. Uh, I, I have a few models that I've fallen in love with when I first saw them. And and one is a Sergei Savinkov sculpt from Tartar Miniatures. I love his work. But it was the Orc Iroquois. So it was like historically Iroquois, but it was an Orc. So the clothing it's wearing yeah. is Native American, but it's an Orc. And so I have that, and I haven't painted it yet. That's one of the ones I really want to get around to just for fun for me. For But I, you know, I, want, to, I want to devote some t real time to it. And then another one was uh, Carol Rudick Art did a Baba Yaga uh, bust. And it was just beautiful. And looking at the renders of it, yeah, I was already in my head thinking of how I would paint it. So, of course, I, I had to have that. Uh, there are very few where I just feel like I need to rush out and get them, probably because I don't have the money, unlimited funds to spend on every single model I want. <laughs> but, is, but is there one out there that's like you've seen that's i don't know way out of reach and you've thought oh if only i could have that there's not a holy grail for me no. for for that what about you uh james you got one you got a holy grail actually for me what i'd really like to do is i love sculpting and i would love to sculpt some of my my old tomb king stuff that i I had to sell it off anyway, but I, I sculpted, I think it was a Hyro Titan and a Colossus, and I would love to actually be able to sculpt some of my own figures. There's lots of sculpts I would love to make, but obviously we had to actually make the choice. There was one point where we almost were thinking about doing sculpting and not miniature painting, but at the time they said, well, your, your life as a sculptor is this. You will have to sculpt 100 things all at the same time, You'll have to pray that we don't blow it up in the vulcanization process and ask you to do it again. And also, when we tell you to redo something with sculpting, you're going to have to tear it apart and re-sculpt the entire thing. Whereas with painting, they say, look, can you make that red instead of green? Five minutes later, you're done. Which door do you choose? And then <laughs> we chose the door of, oh, okay, we'll just make that green instead of red yeah. Yeah, instead of trying to sculpt. But I've we used to do a lot of sculpting back in the day it's now i just i don't get a chance to do it very much and i would really love to do that again because it's just it's really fun and then painting your own sculpt that you sculpted yourself there is nothing quite like that uh, yeah. because it is the one thing you know exactly what everything is because i don't know how many times over the years one of us has walked up to the other person and says what the hell do you think this is is this a pouch is it a face 
what is this thing? And is we've this ordered... a dagger I see before me? Is it a flashlight? What is it? Because <laughs> even working on these figures right here, I'm looking at some of these parts going, what the hell is that? I have no clue what this thing is supposed to be. And every yeah. sculptor has their own way of doing stuff. Especially when we got used to Reaper miniatures back in the day where they have 20 different sculptors. They, would, they each had a different way of sculpting faces, pouches, armor, this, that, the other. And we've now met them over the course of the last 20 years. And we'll, they'll show us some of the tools that they used. And we'll say, that's why it looked that way. Because we could never figure out what the heck it was you were trying to get us to paint. Yeah. <laughs> in some cases and these are people who sculpted for Ralph Partha you know I mean they've been sculpting forever so yeah for me I would love to be able to see I, I love making terrain also so to me I would love to make an entire Askelia table that is functional that's just me yeah. and I'm making a Stalingrad board same thing I've even got the fountain with the kids and the frogs and stuff I I want to have the, the perfect lighting on it. That's kind of so, my dream thing. So for Jim, the Holy Grail isn't a model. It's time. Time to make his own things. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so who do you guys look up to? I mean, when I when I come on and I want to I wanna see some amazing work, I go to Gil and I go to you, your channel, James, and Kathy, uh, you know, that's where I go when I want to see something that's out of my realm. Do you have particular people that you go to um, when you want to see something really special? There are people that I aspire to paint like. Yeah. And uh, Carol Kanev uh, is probably my favorite miniature painter his skill with uh freehand intricate freehand designs and non-metallic metals uh to me is 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 that's what i aspire to yeah uh, those are those are goals that you know cause me to to challenge myself uh and michael pisarski of land studio is uh, is another one where I absolutely love the uh, the non-metallic metal that he does. It's it's amazing, and all the color that he puts into it, and that he does that with uh, a lot a lot of airbrushing, which is of yeah. course something that I have not yet learned. <laughs> so that's just another reason for me to figure out how to use that airbrush in in a way that's more than just priming and zenithal highlights. Yeah, I, I enjoy paintbrushing. I really do enjoy working with a paintbrush. Um, I do, I've, I've got an airbrush. I've got a Sotar and I've got, um, can't remember the name of the other one, um, but it's but, uh, Badger. They're both Badger. Um, and I enjoy working with those when it comes to big areas that I've got to cover and I want a nice finish. I love doing, I love using the airbrushes. But when it comes to detail work, I know I see some people, um, like Gil can do it. I've seen Gordon do it on planes. Very fine work with an airbrush. I can't do it. 
um, I, you know, I can't do it. I prefer to use a paintbrush. Okay. I, I know I'm rambling a bit, but um, I get more enjoyment sometimes out of a session sitting down with a paintbrush, some paints, and a small model than I do sitting down with the airbrush, um, spraying the wings, and then having to strip it down and clean it before I change colour. And you know, that's just me though. I'm just anyway. How do you use an airbrush, Jim? It's funny. I used to do. 2D art for many years, and at one point I was doing a lot of watercolor stuff. Actually, it's it's on the blog there. I have a whole 2D art section. I was doing portraits and spacescapes and all kinds of stuff. Actually, with yeah. the airbrush, I used to have a compressor that had a foot pedal, so I could actually control the air pressure just by pressing on the foot pedal. Oh, I wow! Had, I had one of those Pache airbrushes with the external needle that could quite literally do pencil thin lines. But I think Gordon's got one of those, and I've they're tempted. To, I've been trying to kind of resurrect that airbrush to see what it could potentially do. But for me, the stuff that I do with the brush is infinitely faster because there's just I don't have to clean up things, set up things, power noise. When the filming came in, it was it's way easier to film just me painting something with a brush. So the airbrush just became. A glorified water cannon. Uh, the only thing I really paint with an airbrush is terrain, something like maybe Blackheart Miles, that half scale bust that I did. So there are things that I will paint with an airbrush, but for me, it's just it's faster to use regular brushes. It's just kind of how it is. Uh, it's great for priming, and the the priming that I do actually has some color in it because well, there's 18 colors of Badger primer now which is about three times the amount of colors that I'll use on any miniature. Because I, I've done entire armies with just six colors. And one of them was fluorescent. So it, I don't use lots and lots of colors. I, I mix colors because I'm a person who has to match armies all the time. Not yeah. just commission stuff, but for my own. Uh, there, There's some people that have been asking us to do commission stuff since 2004. And they will have me, I have to match stuff that I painted 15 years ago. Those paints don't exist. Uh, I'm using right here this, this dead paint jar. That used to be how all Reaper paints came as recently as maybe eight or nine years ago. This is what Reaper paint was like. Oh, yeah. They were in the jars, not the nozzle bottles. Before the dreaded dropper bottles came along. So it's paint companies will change. This is what I try to tell people. All those GW paints that you like so much. Three years from now, they're going to discontinue all of them and say, this is the new thing. It will happen. It has, it's like the Cylons. It's happened before. It's going to happen again. So do you, you, are you is this your primary income then? Is this what you do? Is this what you do for a living, this painting? Or do you have a, a secondary, another job? This this has been it since uh, the, the miniatures took over from the 2D art. In about 2003, officially, it kind of started in 2001. But once you had things like PayPal and eBay and Cool Mini or Not come along, and, and more miniature companies, well, they needed they needed box art. They needed somebody to paint those miniatures, and they started to come to us because, well, 
we started by painting armies. We were actually painting Blood Bowl teams for our friends on the side when there were no art shows. Because there's always a time of year when there's just no art shows. And then certain things happen and we ended up doing miniatures the entire, the whole full time. And we I had think that decision, do we keep doing our 2D art and miniatures or do we focus solely on miniatures? And, uh, you know, and then there was uh, an economic depression and people were not buying art, but people were still buying miniatures. You yeah. need miniatures to play a game. So what, what would you say to somebody that was thinking of getting into, um, I'll just clarify that I'm definitely not thinking about this. This is just a general question in case anyone is. Um, it's people that were thinking about getting into that line of work. Um, um, first thing, are, forget about days off. There will be none. There will be no days off, and you will have to paint miniatures when you don't feel like it. You're going to have to paint miniatures that you don't like. In fact, you will very rarely get a chance to choose what the miniature is, what the color is going to be. It's it's like a regular job where you do things that yeah. you don't want to do that. But if you like if you don't like things like hunger and homelessness, you are motivated to then paint hunger those and homelessness. How many times people will say, "Man, how can you do this every day, ten, twelve, eighteen hours a day?" I said, "Well, you know look, that that street doesn't look real comfortable out there for sleeping." You know, I don't like the idea of a lounger in the middle of the street with my with my TV that's plugged into anything. So that motivates you to sit yeah. down. I, I, I would think it's a very difficult business to be in. Um, well, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you have to do as, I mean, you're essentially self-employed, you're a small business. And yeah. there so many things that fall under that umbrella that have to get done that have nothing to do with the actual painting of the models. Yeah. And people don't realize that. This is the, the first thing they realize is that, wait a minute, okay, I painted all these miniatures and now they have to be shipped somewhere. And I just had, I've had a few times for the same customer, I've had to fix miniatures that arrived to them in dozens of pieces. Customers don't like modular painted miniatures. They like them intact. And yeah. shipping miniatures is an art form. And just the other day, instead of film, spending three hours filming a video, which I desperately wanted to do, instead I had to spend that entire time packing miniatures to send out this Monday. I did not want to be spending my time doing that, but they have to be sent out. So that's almost every week I'm sending out at least one to three to four boxes of stuff. Because people think they'll just show up at their local game store and people will just hand them money for miniatures. And you could be the best painter ever, but the the clientele at the local game store is going to be very, very small. And eventually they will say, you know what, I don't need any more armies. And then what do you do? Now what do you do? So I spend at least one-third of every day just writing messages, text messages, emails, Facebook yeah. messages. That is that is your life. There's a reason why the only time I get... Sorry, carry on. Oh, no, go ahead. So I'm saying it's a very difficult um, business to be in. Um, 
you've got to be extremely dedicated. I used to time people with a calendar for how long they would just kind of say, whoa, this is too much. Now I just, I just hit my stopwatch because, and some of them never even get that far because I tell them the things that they're going to have to do. And they're basically in the fetal position after about five minutes of listening to me. <laughs> because they, and I say, look, I know this is harsh, but you better you know this now. How many people times did we see people that they got jo jobs with GW thinking this is my hobby? Wouldn't it be great if it was my job? And then they, they yeah. never wanted to look at another miniature again. They said, I've, I've been looking at this all day. Why would I want to see this now when I'm not at work? Yeah, it's different. It ruins. Yeah, I, I get exactly what you said. I used to be a photographer and um, I, I then went into the business and I was in it for about five, six, maybe seven years, something like that. And um, it totally ruined it for me. Um, going into the business, doing weddings and and uh, such like it, it, it totally ruined the hobby. I haven't taken a photo now for um three four years um which is a shame uh do you ever get do you ever get somebody come up to you uh so they've they've, they've decided they want you to paint something and then they come out with the most ridiculous stupid idea you've ever heard and <laughs> that's every what, other that day what? isn't that sorry Okay. You mean that will admit? No, no, they're like, so they come out, they want this really stupid idea, like, I want all my army painted pink with zebra pattern on. I and, have no uh, problem with that. And, and, and you look at them and you think, right, I could do that, but when you receive it, you're not going to like it. You're going to change your mind and say, oh, it's horrible. Um, I don't know how many times a miniature company has, has sent me something, and I'll say, do you have concept art? Do you have a color scheme you want me to do? And they say, oh, yeah, it's this here. And I don't know if you've ever heard of lipstick on a pig. Well, this is this is turd on sirloin right here because of this beautiful sculpt. Yeah. And let's say they have a choice between 10 different color schemes, one being the best, 10 being the worst. They'll start at 17 and go down from there. And I've had people say, why did you paint it that horrible color? I said, because the guy with the money said, paint it this color. And you literally just hold your nose and you yeah. you wince out your eyes with rubbing alcohol afterwards to get the stench out of them. But, but you, 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 you do never, have told. <laughs> are you never worried that because you've painted it, somebody's going to look at it at a later time and go, oh, who painted that? And they'll say, well, James Waffle. And, oh, no. That's why I'll generally take the figure myself and then put it up on my own page the way I would like to paint it. Yeah. They, that, okay, they, they told me to do that. I had no choice. <laughs> that was, I, I, was un, I was only following orders. I, I'm going to have to yeah. use that defense. And I'll say, look, this is how I visualized it. And then I say, ah, okay. So that that's usually when I have to do something that's that horrendous or whatever, I'll try and say, look, this is my version of it. This is how yeah. I think it should be. And I'm usually the guy, like I just posted some pictures of my Tomb King stuff. This was a guy that took basically undead Egyptian skeleton figures 
and painted them in fluorescent blues and pinks and greens because they were tainted by Zinch. And I know you're not real familiar with all the, the different chaos gods. Kathy's all about Nurgle, by the way. Uh, and I'm all about the Zinch. So I've, she's painted lots of Nurgle armies with Nurgle themes, even if they're not originally Nurgle miniatures. And for me, I try to give everything kind of a Zinchy theme. So lots of fluorescent paints and bright, crazy colors. And Kathy just loves the, what would you say, the earth tones and the and the deathly pallor of Nurgle? Yeah, I like the infections and the bruises and the disgusting, gross, nasty stuff. My blood pool team was called the oozing pustules. I yeah. like the colours as well. Um, one of my favourite colours from Games Workshop is the... Um, I, it is a contrast paint, but I love it. It's the... Well, two of them, actually. It's the... Plague Bearer Flesh. And another one I use a lot is the Athematic Blue Contrast. Which, incidentally, if anyone's painting Russian aircraft, is excellent for the cockpit. <laughs> um, anyway. How many, how many different toes of that colour have I got, Mark? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Russian cockpits have got this beautiful colour to them. That I, I don't know, Russian planes in general are, have some marvellous colours. Um, but uh, that's a story for another time. Um, anyway, we're approaching, we're coming up to almost one hour, 25 minutes. I think it's time to um, wrap things up. Um, it's been absolutely fantastic having you both in. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. Um, and so where can people find out more? Where can they go to see more of Kathy's work, more of James's work? Um I believe you take, um, are you both on Patreon? I have my Patreon page. It's just James Wapple on, on Patreon. And I've got my YouTube channel, just James Wapple on YouTube. You want to see images of painted things, it's Wapelius on Instagram. It's just two Ps, two Ls. And, well, you'll have the links in the description anyway, so that'll make it easier for them. And I, I'm going to start doing the, the Twitch thing, but Kathy will tell you what her Twitch handle is. Oh, and yeah. um, just just to uh, clarify, if they if anybody's listening that wants some figures painted, where would they go? They just contact me, just right. either Facebook or email or something like that. Excellent. Send a message through Windy City Miniatures on Facebook. Windy City Miniatures. Um, let me just quickly write that down for the. Is that a, like a www.windycity? That's, uh, that's our Facebook page. Well, that's mainly Jim's Facebook page as opposed to his personal uh, page. I think Kathy's is. Um, what was it? Oh, I can't remember now. Sorry, Kathy. I can't remember. I had it in my head earlier on. Um, gaming podcast on Sunday nights, and it's called More Than Dice. Yeah, that's it. More than dice. We stream it live on uh, on Sundays at six thirty p.m. Central U.S. time. Uh, but that's all just 
we're talking about tabletop war games and role-playing games and stuff. But during the week, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, is when I stream my painting on that same channel. And the channel is called More Than Dice, a podcast. Yeah. And I stream at 3 o'clock p.m. Central U.S. time. So. Excellent. Um, Josh. Yeah. Um, UK time. <laughs> Yeah, we're about six hours in front. So if you're in the UK and you want to know which time, if you just add six hours onto Kathy's three o'clock, so it'd be three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, be about nine o'clock at night um, would be the time to go on. Um, I'm right. It's pretty. It is six hours, isn't it, Gordon? It is six hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah six hours in front. When our clocks change. Um, does it drop an hour or gain an hour? I can't remember. Yeah, I think it would end up being five hours. And I'm so told that, that yeah. this spring when it drops will be the last time it changes. That could be just a hopeful rumor. That rumor, Kathy, comes out every single year. <laughs> Absolutely every single year they turn around and say this year is going to be the last year. Fingers um, uh, it never ever happens. <laughs> um, anyway, Josh, Gordon, have you got any questions for uh, James and Kathy, or anything you want to say? I know, uh, I know what James is on about when you turn a, a hobby into a living. Because at one time I used to do a lot of aircraft commissions and stuff, and it literally killed the hobby for me yeah and stuff and i stepped away from it and <laughs> took up the motorbike murals and leather jacket murals and stuff and black turbo it was like a second hand that was it was never out of it and stuff and yeah i know where you're coming from there it's you've got to be really self-motivated to oh i feel like crap today i don't feel like doing it you've got to get there and sit and do it yep it's like a job. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, the this every project is you know doing the the flampons or this repostin boat. I did this with contrast paints just to see could it be done. So you kind of have to entertain yourself. Uh, and here, this project where Kathy and I were matching figures. This is a really fun. It's an interesting challenge. You have to if you keep doing the same technique over and over again. I don't paint can make figures the same way I did two weeks ago. There's people that will do the same process for 15 years. No wonder they want to stab themselves in the eyeball. Yeah. They've just, they've seen this story before and no wonder they get bored with it, but they're too scared to change. But then they get too bored to keep doing it. And then they just stop. And oh gosh, I don't know how many times I've seen people just stop doing miniatures because they, they're, they're bored, they're frustrated, whatever. And, I keep trying to find them ways to be less frustrated and less bored. I'm always pleased to see when there's somebody else who can, you know, who can make it, who can make that, that living, make that leap and be that self-motivated. Uh, you know, Cause there are so many people that, that want to, but they're doing it as a sideline and you've got a 
full-time job and you're doing this as a kind of a second income, that's when that's when it's really hard. I mean, one one other thing that um, I, I haven't mentioned, which I thought I should, was paint. Um, what are your opinions on the massive amount of paints that are coming out? Uh, do you have a favourite? And, um, and because it just seems there's so many different brands coming out with paint. There's so many that I could never try all of them. You do realize in the time it took us to to film and record this thing, 17 new paint lines came out? <laughs> yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, and they're all the same colors. That's the worst part. 20 different companies have just released the same exact version of the same exact thing but with a different label on it. Yeah. Green, pale green, grass green. It's it's unbelievable. Just that people are sending me, oh hey, did you know that uh, that Mig Ammo just did these acrylics? And I said, but last week it was this, and yesterday it was this, and I don't understand. Now sometimes we we're using like the pro acryl stuff here, and I was there. We were having lots of meetings with Creature Caster about these paints, and I said, look, if this is just something else in a different bottle, I want no part of this thing. And they said, no, Jim, we're trying to make something different here like these transparent paints, the regular paints, super matte, super opaque. There was a purpose behind it. There are other companies that sometimes just they'll put colored liquid in the jar just to get a label on it. Yeah. And you always have to be on guard for that. Where they just want to take advantage of us poor saps who are, you know, just trying to find the best paint. Uh, but I like... I like my Reaper paints, and I like my Secret Weapon Miniatures paints. Those are yeah. mostly all I use. I still have some Citadel shade. Uh, I have only just started using uh, a couple of colors of the GW Contrast paint. Yeah. The, the, I would like to try. They're the ones I like. Um, well, have you got, when was the last time you tried a product that really surprised you? That kind of happens a lot now because uh, they're, well, they send me things to crash test. And I'm also the guy that uses them in the way you're never supposed to use them. Yeah. So it's like you weren't supposed to use that hammer as a coffee maker, but I'm the guy that will try to do that. And because when, when a product goes out on the market, you got no control. No. no control of how people are supposed to use it. Uh, and that's kind of my job is to use things in the way that nobody anticipates them. Well, heck, even yeah. the just re most recently, these transparent paint. Oh, this is the thing that shocked the heck out of me here. So golden acrylics. I was sent a friend of mine sent me one of these. And for weeks, I didn't mess around with it because I thought, ah, I've got seven other brands of fluorescent paint. Six of them I hate. As is this going to be just another one that I hate? And I tried it out actually on a live stream. I had no idea what was going to happen. And 20 minutes into it, let me see if I can find. Oh, it was this guy right here. It was this Hellboy figure. And people, they saw it in the live stream. They said, Jim, what is that stuff? That's fantastic. And in five minutes, you've got OSL on the whole thing. And now I've got one of every fluorescent color. I never expected to like these they turned out to be all all around the best fluorescents I've ever tried. And I, that was the last thing I expected. 
Um, and what is that brand? Sorry. It's just Golden Acrylics. So it's Golden Artist Colors, and I think this is their high flow matte acrylics, whatever. And I've only done the the fluorescence. I've got yellow, green, uh, magenta, and I even got the blue. That's the most recent one. And actually, if people wanna if people wanna see all these in action, just go to the YouTube channel because I've tried every single one of those colors now on different YouTube live sessions. Golden is the brand that you would find at an art supply store or a craft store. Yeah. It's not a dedicated miniature paint. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I understand. Um, so there we go, people. Uh, so does James and Kathy want to talk about Fort Wapple? Oh, at Adepticon. I'll let Kathy do that. <laughs> I, I don't know about this, so I'll let Josh deal with this one. I don't know. Uh, what is Fort Wapple? It, well, it started out as uh, we were at a convention, uh, and they set up a bunch of tables for people to paint miniatures at. And there were, it was a very small convention in its first year, and there were maybe, what, 10 of us who were miniature painters? And we just sat around this table and spent the entire four days painting miniatures together, you know, across the table from each other, just talking about what we were doing, talking about the different paints we were using, talking about different techniques, showing each other, you know, what we were working on. And it, it was just this festival of, of miniature painting. And it was, we had so much fun. As soon as I got home from that convention, I, I sent Hank an email, the guy who, uh, one of the guys who runs Adepticon, and that's, that's the convention that's local to us. We've been volunteering and helping out with that convention for many years, and I said, I'd like to do this at Adepticon. I think we need something like this there, and he's like, well, I don't know if we have anybody who's willing to staff it, and I'm raising my hand. I'm like, well, I'm telling you that I will, I will be the one who, you know, makes this happen. And, uh, and then there were other, there were other volunteers, the people who were helping with the hobby seminars. Also, I mean, they all are miniature painters and they liked this idea and they saw me getting the tables and the lights and everything set up and they're like well you know what i feel like you could use a couple more tables i think there's going to be more people here because i had like four tables and i'm like oh no there wouldn't be that many people interested in you know sitting around and painting miniatures all weekend because it's a gaming convention right. and, uh, they were right we needed those extra tables and the year after that we added twice as many more because there were so many people that wanted to sit down in an environment with a whole bunch of other painters and and talk about the paints they like and talk about the techniques they like and you know people who are just painting their army so that they could play in the tournament later that day people who were trying to finish their uh entries for painting competitions i mean all these different people of all these different skill levels painting all kinds of different models and, and it, 
it was so much fun. Everybody was enjoying themselves, and people started calling it Fort Wapple. Oh, I really? it Lounge, um, and everybody else started calling it Fort Wapple. And then at ReaperCon, they uh, they they decided to well, that's a Reaper Miniatures puts on this convention in the town where their headquarters is located. And that's mainly about miniature painting. And there's there's some role-playing stuff that goes on Pathfinder and Dungeons and & Dragons, but mainly it's miniature painters. And they set up some tables for us, and they made a banner, and it said Fort Wapple. You want to get that copyrighted. And now it's kind of any time that there's somebody who puts up a bunch of tables for a bunch of miniature painters to get together, it's kind of... a People are referring to it as a, as a Fort Wapple. Because I'm doing one at Little Wars. We did one at GameholeCon. And now that I've got, basically I'll set up a, a camera that what I'm doing right now, filming, whatever, they can see me paint it live and they don't have to hunch over my shoulder. They can just watch this monitor and the yeah. camera is showing me paint. What, they can see exactly what I'm doing. I can sort of narrate it. They can ask questions and they can paint alongside us too. So that is just, that's a, a lot of fun. And it's a, it's a way for people to kind of get those ideas across. Actually, yeah, I, I see my camera controls can work. So what I'll do is you can see I've got all the bright colors here, but what would happen if I took the color intensity and made it black and white, which is fantastic for radio because they can't see this, but you guys yeah. can see the difference that's up. So that's what I'll do at those Ford Wapples is I'll be yeah. using the, the, the camera to try and show that. I'll even sometimes take their miniature because they'll say, well, what do I need to do? And what's the most common thing is make it pop. Make it pop. Well, how the heck do you do that? What does that mean? Make what the pop? heck does that mean? So I'll take their miniature, and the first thing I'll do is I'll kill the saturation, make it black and white. And I'll, and then they'll, it immediately, two seconds in, they'll go, oh, okay. And I don't even have to tell them. They can just see it because yeah. they see that the miniature all of a sudden has no shape because all their fancy color is gone. Remember I was talking about the concrete and everything else? They realize all they have is roof tiles and some drapes. And like, yeah. oh, yeah, better get some rebar into this stat. So it, it what it boils down to is they don't have the contrast. Yeah. The, you know, the contrast between light and dark. You can deceive. We're, we're all illusionists or delusionists, whichever one you prefer. But <laughs> yeah. You've got to sell people on the fact that this stupid thing that's an inch and an eighth tall is just as real as if it was standing next to them. Just like with, with that, that SU, with the, the Russian aircraft there, you've got to make them convinced that, yeah, that splinter pattern is not just painted on yeah. part of the aircraft. It, it's following the contours of that aircraft. And then there's parts of it that are worn away while pilots are stepping on it or some flight crew guy just stepping up, you know, slam a hat and boom there goes some of that paint yeah i agree yeah you're absolutely right you're absolutely right um so josh is anything else you want to and do you guys do any of the classes i'll be teaching geez i think four classes at adepticon this year uh, i have been doing one i've been doing the geek nation class for a while but this is the first year I'm going back to doing classes. It, it was just to save my voice so I could actually be in a quiet classroom. 
because there's so many participants in Fort Wapple that I'm usually down there in the late nights where it's quiet, where there's just the, kind of the same group of us. So to save my voice, I started doing classes again. I've got an oil painting class, a class in how to do true metallic metals, which people are really going to freak out because they're like, when did Jim ever use metallics? So that <laughs> should be fun. And Is that available for people to watch that like like in in England that can't get to the will it will it all be recorded on YouTube? Uh, basically, what I'll be I'll be doing live in the class what I do on YouTube all the time. Because I actually have a couple of YouTube tutorials on things like True Metallics. Yeah. And basically, Vallejo Metal Medium, or now there's actually three other companies that make Metal Medium. And essentially, instead of trying to take just a few metal like metallic bronze and metallic silver, you're actually making me metallic blue. Like this guy here, all of this blue armor. and the, I've actually done metallic object source lighting, which was normally impossible because metallics it wouldn't have that metallic sheen to it but i found if you take these metal mediums and mix them with any other color of paint you now have metallic anything actually it was i was in painting my bolt action armies is when i made the connection and then when once i did that it led to a whole bunch of different techniques so they can you know check out the the youtube channel and the live sessions are they're interactive and they're actually real convenient for folks that live in Australia or Europe because they start at 2.30 in the morning, my time. Yeah. Which means morning in Europe and supper time in Australia. There we go. Um, so, yeah, people keep an eye out for those. Um, uh, I'm just trying to think. Have, have you got any definite um sort of date for when this is going to go ahead on youtube uh anywhere people can just uh, just log on to your channel and become like a, a regular subscriber will they get notification when it's going to happen yeah if you click that yeah i guess you have to click the all notifications bell which i yeah. keep forgetting to hit myself because i'll be like why wait a minute why am i getting this notification two weeks later that's you have to hit the all notifications bell i didn't know that but all of the guys that I follow now that they they include that in every video. Oh, now, hit subscribe, click on the bell. Yeah, Kathy's yeah. easier to follow because she's at the same time, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, same time. And she can tell you about that. Oh, I did. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she did. For me, it, it because, well, there's nights where, oh, yeah, you know what? I, I'm just going to have to finish painting this here. So that live session is going to have to wait. Uh, I'm pretty yeah. sure my next live session is going to be next Tuesday because there's a Kickstarter campaign that starts on Tuesday. So that'll probably be my next live session is on Tuesday. Uh, however, I do have a Lord of the Rings battle report that I was that one that I was filming till six o'clock this morning. That's probably going to go up on the channel probably either Sunday night or Monday morning. Right. So just for people listening, bear in mind that uh, we recorded this um, ahead of time. So um, actually what I might try and do with this one, um, because we've got some dates in here, I may try and get this out um, for our very next, uh, yes. So our very next date is, um, we had one, did we have one come out on Saturday, Josh? 
Nope, this next week. So it's it's coming up on this Saturday. Coming. Yep. Right. I will um I will try and get this one out for this Saturday. Um I should be able to. And then that way your dates are gonna be more relevant. Otherwise if it goes out in like four weeks time and people start looking then <laughs> you know it's, it's all been done <laughs> so um anyway i'm thank you to you both uh josh you got anything else you want to ask no i'm good gordon oh, i guess i should probably mention uh for people who don't do twitch i know they're out there uh i do have an instagram and i'm kathy waffle on instagram just Kathy Waffle. Yep. Trying to keep it simple. Excellent. So, yeah, people on Instagram, um, just Kathy Waffle. Is that two P's and one L? Yep. Just like you see my name on the uh, on the screen right here. And it's with a C, not a K. Yep. Just for those that uh, are not looking at a screen or anything like that. Um, yeah, it's been absolutely great, but having both of you on, I think you, you've actually uh, been the longest interview since we started doing the uh, since we started doing the podcast. This is officially the longest one. I should have warned you about that because that pretty much happens every single time. <laughs> it's great, though. great having you on. I'm so glad that you you, you came on. Thanks and, for having uh, us on. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been fun. It's good meeting you guys. Yeah, and I hope um, I'll get to talk to you a bit more sort of off off the podcast. I know we've swapped um, Facebook addresses and such like. Um, I wish you both um, the very best uh, for everything that you do. And obviously, I hope to talk to you some more in the future. Um, but from us uh, at, uh, well, I don't know, what, we're Team Sprucast then, really. We've got Team Wobble with <laughs> Sprucast. Thank you for watching. Um, it's good night from me. It's good night from me as well. Bye. Good night. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.